Stretch 4 NBA Podcast with your hosts, Dan Titus and NBA experts Alex Burns, Zach Hanshu, and Adam Koffler. What's up, NBA fans? Dan Titus here, your host of the Stretch 4 NBA Podcast, bringing you the latest news and information from around the NBA, as well as some advice to help you manage your fantasy basketball teams. Now, before we jump into the NBA discussion, it is Super Bowl weekend. We have the reigning champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in what should be a crazy, exciting Super Bowl 55. Uh, But I want to get your guys' take. I mean, after all, you are NFL experts as well. What are your predictions of the game? What do you want to see? Adam, I'll start with you. Give me your thoughts on the Super Bowl. Man, it's been a it's been a it's been a great week. Um, in terms of the Super Bowl, I'm I'm rolling with the young goat, uh, Patrick Mahomes, over the uh, the old goat, Tom Brady. Uh, you know, by default, uh, my father in laws a Chiefs fan, so I'm going to be pulling for them as well. But I also think they're going to win the game, so should be a good one. I think the the line is three and a half, so definitely looking forward to that. No, you're rolling with the young goat. I don't care about young goat, old goat. I'm rolling with the goat, Tom Brady. The Buccaneers, I think they're going to pull off an upset um, over the Chiefs. I don't know, man. I just love Tom Brady. I think he's the greatest quarterback ever. Um, I just love watching him play. I, I Here's what I'll say. I hope it's a good game. I hope you have a lot of points. I hope it's a lot of offensive firepower. Got a lot of DFS lineup set, so I need, uh, need all my players to hit. So um, I don't really have any skin in the game, but I'm from Florida, so rolling with the Buccaneers. I'm with you, brother. Uh, I'm, I'm going Tampa yep. Bay as well. Um, my brother-in-law has actually been a Buccaneers fan for quite a while and recently got my five-year-old son into him. So uh, we got some family that's into him. We're going to be sitting here rooting for Tom Brady. Uh, I still think the Chiefs are going to win, unfortunately. It's just it's too much talent to overcome. I mean, just it's a ridiculous amount of talent. But I'm hoping for an offensive game and hoping for an upset, man. Definitely root for the Bucks. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Adam here. Um, as an Eagles fan, I just can't stand Tom Brady, so I'm rocking with the young goat. Patty Mahomes, I hope it's a high-scoring affair. Really no allegiance here. I just want to see Tom Brady lose, whatever it takes. Um, just hope it's going to be a great game. Really looking forward to it, though. Let's uh, let's get into our, our, our segment for this week. Uh, we are recording on Saturday, so just to preface this, if there's any significant injuries or news that comes out on Sunday, be sure to check our Twitter handles. You can find them in the description of our podcast. Um, so just check in with that. Uh, so in terms of week six, man, we had some crazy performances. Fred Van Vliet went off for 54 points. Kelly Oubre dropped a career high 40 points. I mean, we were just hitting on every call practically that we had here between Harrison Barnes being a stud, um, Emmanuel quickly being a, a popular waiver wire pickup. So I'll, I'll go to Zach. What were some of your takeaways from this week and some of the guys you saw either rise or fall this week? So, man, um, I, I think you hit on it already. Uh, Van Vliet uh, absolutely erupted this week. He's been great. Uh, but two guys that I really just really impressed me this week. Um, and Alex, you're right there in his hometown. Uh, Thad Young, man. I mean, he's been mm. what's he been doing? Teasing a triple double every single night. Uh, you know, he's a veteran. We weren't really expecting these kind of numbers from him this year, but. My goodness, man, he's been insane. Um, and Larry Markinen actually hurt his shoulder the other night, so we might be seeing even more usage, even more production mm-hmm. coming up. Um, and another veteran that has really shocked me, too, even with Devin Booker coming back, Chris Paul, man, he continues to just get it done night in and night out. 
um, you know, he's scoring, he's facilitating, and you just wonder where does this guy not succeed? Every team he's been on, uh, consistently a winner. Um, so those two guys really impressed me the most this week. Yeah, I'll say too, I'm going to piggyback off of your, your Thad Young take. I don't know if any of you listening have watched any Bulls games recently, but this man is diving on the floor for loose balls. He's hustling. And like you said, Zach, he's he's flirting with a triple-double. Uh, kind of like a little bit of a career resurgence here. I love it. Um, and then and then also your Chris Paul one, man. I mean, it's so fun to watch him play and to watch him at his age put up the stats he's, he's putting up. But, man, he's really – his presence on that offense as the commander is really hurting Devin Booker's – fantasy value you know and I, I know adam has talked about that before on twitter i know a lot of people have been frustrated after drafting him at, at, you know in the first round but but man it's it's like bittersweet because i have a couple shares of booker and so like i want him to succeed but i also love watching chris ball do his thing yeah, it was a fantastic week uh, uh seeing into the future making calls on fred van vliet's 50 point performance uh and uh kelly Oubre's career night there on thursday against the mavericks uh a couple other things I saw from this week. I mean, we got to talk about LaMelo Ball, right? So Terry Rozier had a, uh, was coming off an ankle injury. Uh, he got back into the lineup. Uh, so he had Ball, Graham, and Rozier all healthy at the same time. And LaMelo Ball still got the start over Miles Bridges on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then Devontae Graham went and hurt his groin. And he's been ruled out for Saturday's game. So LaMelo Ball is, is uh, on the up and up for sure. Mm-hmm. Funny thing about this, uh, back on January 23rd, NBA uh, front office insider Bobby Marks tweeted that LaMelo Ball hit a rookie wall. And ever since that point, he's put up 17.6 points, 5.4 rebounds, 7.3 assists, and 1.4 steals per game in 34 minutes per game. He's got two starts in his last two games, playing 40 minutes per. I mean, this dude is absolutely skyrocketing uh, with his value, so... If you can get LaMelo Ball on your squad, absolutely look to make a trade for him. Full time. Yeah, do we know the significance of uh, Devontae Graham's injury? I know he went down last night with an what appears to be an ankle injury. I mean, all the stars seem to be aligning for LaMelo Ball to get all of the opportunity to run that offense and continue to rack up his his stats. Yeah, so so I think it was a groin, but groin, the, yeah, what happened? Yeah, what, what happens? When when you have a star player behind two guys that are battling injuries and the team feels comfortable giving the reins to LaMelo Ball, they're probably going to be more cautious with a guy like Devontae Graham with that groin. So I could definitely see a situation where LaMelo Ball starts the rest of the way. What's up, Zach? Oh, I was just going to ask you, man, what's his, uh, what's his ceiling then? Full-time starter, uh, injuries or not, I, I mean, what's the ceiling? First round, second round value, something in between? Yeah, man, I... I I've got to be honest with you. If if uh, if I have Devin Booker, and and he he has a game or two that's you know he lights it up, I'm I'm putting a Devin Booker for Lamelo Ball off on the table. That's a spicy take right there. Devin Booker this season is averaging 3.8 assists per game. Last season he averaged 6.5 assists per game. He just he's not the same player with Chris Paul on the floor. Uh, the Suns rank 26th in pace this season. Last season without Chris Paul, the Suns were ninth in pace. So, uh, so, you know, I love I love Devin Booker, man. He's he's a beast, but not on not on this Chris Paul run Phoenix Suns offense. 
so I agree. Um, I'm with you on that. And I, and I agree. I tend to agree. I should say, um, with LaMelo Ball's ceiling of being, you know, second round value, I would say is, is what he could probably put up consistently. My only thing is about a couple of weeks ago, I remember it was, it was going around Twitter that, that James Borrego, the head coach was frustrated with his turnovers with, um, you know, just the, some of the decisions that he was making, the way he was playing. And so I, his minutes were cut back drastically. I think there were some games he got 17, 11. Um, I, I could be wrong on that. I'll have to fact check me. But uh, uh, he, his minutes dipped. And so my, my fear with, with giving up somebody like Booker is that Ball is still a rookie. He's still figuring things out. What happens if he goes through a rough stretch? He doesn't offer a ton of threes. I know he might have been hot the last couple games, but that's been something he's got to improve in. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm there yet with Booker, but but definitely agree with your take that he's he's definitely been one of the biggest risers um, this week. Be careful. Ball's got 11 threes in his last four games. He's been hot. He's been hot. I just knew that was something that he was struggling with earlier in the season. So if he reverts back to that, we'll see. I mean, I want him to succeed. I like watching him play. He's he's fun to watch, man. He's one of the best players, uh, best young players in this draft class, and he's he's certainly fun to watch. So if I can have... If I can have a, a high ceiling and a high floor, I want that over the consistency of Devin Booker, uh, especially with 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 uh, Chris Paul uh, capping his ceiling on uh, things like uh, assists and steals. I mean, Devin Booker has become a, a a more prolific scoring Tim Hardaway at this point. What? I'm gonna I mean, that. that's a bit bold there. Let's let's pump the brakes there. So, so Devin I mean, Booker, Hardaway, Devin Booker Tim Hardaway was... Jr. has never seen a thirty percent usage rate. Um, I mean, this is just because Booker's really the real the value that he's really losing here is his his shot attempts are slightly down, and he's getting to the line less, and so and his assists are down. So you know, I, I just feel like he's going to get out of that. Like I think a lot of this is just gelling with a new point guard who's ball dominant, who's taking a lot of the who's shouldering a lot of the load that he didn't have to. Uh, in previous years, um, I, I feel like Booker is actually a guy that is going to get better as the season progresses. And I think the wor- his worst days are behind him. That being said, you know, comparing him to Tim Hardaway Jr., that's just that's just blasphemy. That's spicy, man. Devin Booker's averaging three point three rebounds and three point six assists per game. Tim Hardaway does something very similar, but averages six points less per game. In fantasy, that's a pretty significant drop off there. But right, sometimes yeah. sometimes you have to separate fantasy and reality. Devin Booker helps the Phoenix Suns win. Tim Hardaway doesn't help the Dallas Mavericks win. But seriously, give me the ceiling of Lamelo Ball over, you know, the the floor of Devin Booker. Agreed. That's fair. Uh, let's talk about De'Aaron Fox for a second. One of my favorite players to watch. Uh, I know for me personally, coming into uh, draft season, he was high up or a little bit more. Uh, say higher on my board than, than the consensus um, because of how he played in the bubble uh, this past summer. He was really balling. I think he was averaging 26 points a game, somewhere around that. And so the hope was that he would carry that over into the season. He got into a, uh, a little bit of a rough start. Wouldn't say bust territory, but as of late, he's been tearing it up. He's averaging 29 and a half points, eight assists, one steals per game over the last four. Um He's been turning the ball over a lot, 5.2 turnovers over his last games, uh, last four games. But uh, but I think if you're a fantasy manager or someone who drafted Deer and Fox or even traded for him uh, earlier in the season, you have to be happy with his production. Yeah, totally agree. And his his minutes seem relatively safe. Uh, the last two games, he's played 38 and 40 minutes. 
the Kings played as at a super high pace. You know, him and him and Tyrese Halliburton play together. It seems like the Kings, when when it gets to the fourth quarter of a close game, they take Marvin Bagley out of the game. And they go with uh, De'Aaron Fox and and Tyrese Halliburton there to to close it out. Mm-hmm. So I'm a I'm I'm with you, man. He last three games. I mean, he's gone for 30, 38, and 26. The assists are 6, 12, and 11. Yeah, that's he's he's returning second-round value at this point. I got a question while we're on the Kings real quick. what What is your outlook, rest-of-season outlook, ceiling on Marvin Bagley? Because he's been very frustrating. As someone who has a lot of shares, I'm looking at him. Uh, he does not play 30 minutes a game. I mean, he's played 30 minutes a game twice, or I'll say three times, and I'd say the last 10 games. Uh, you know, Rashawn Holmes is there, Whiteside's there, Nemanja Bielitz is there. I feel like this guy has all the upside in the world if he would just get consistent playing time. But, I mean, look at his last two games, 22 minutes, 19 minutes. He's producing, you know, okay value for the amount of playing time he's getting. But, God, I'm, as an owner, I'm frustrated. Yeah, I think you have every right to be frustrated. You know, it's interesting because the Kings are – I mean, no one expected, but they've won five of their last six games. And I, I think Adam was touching on the right thing here. I think it's it's been to the detriment of Marvin Bagley to a certain extent because they're running that that guard lineup with with Tyrese Halliburton, gained significant minutes in crunch time. And, you know, he's seen north of 30 minutes a game over his last five. And so, you know, with, with Harrison Barnes also playing extremely well, Rashawn Holmes being the anchor in the center position, I don't know. Like, what's Bagley's skill set really fit within that within that that roster construction? Um, you know, I don't I don't know that Luke Walton is really enamored in, in with Marvin Bagley. Like, this guy was demanding to be traded <clears throat> earlier in the season. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of gotten better, but to your point, he's just not getting consistent minutes. Yeah, he's starting, but when when the game's on the line, he's not there. So that that's not something I somebody I want to trust in, and especially for fantasy purposes. You want the guys that are going to be guaranteed to get minutes in crunch time, uh, seeing north of 30 minutes a game. And as a starter, if you're not seeing 30 minutes, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to invest in that. Totally agree. And we talk about Tom Thibodeau coach teams having guys that have a really safe uh, minutes floor uh, for the starters, like, you know, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett right now for the Knicks. Did you know that Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald are both averaging career highs in minutes, this minutes played this season per game? So, if if Luke Walton likes you and you're a starter and the game is close, he's gonna play you. And he's and he's Good got point. his guys that he likes down the stretch. So that's De'Aaron Fox, that's Harrison Barnes, that's Buddy Heald, that's Rashawn Holmes, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. And there's no room for Marvin Bagley in the in the fourth quarter. So I'm I'm I agree. I'm 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 out on Bagley. He's averaging twenty five minutes a game this season. So yeah, what are you I... doing if you Oh, go ahead, Zach. Oh, sorry, man. I was just gonna piggyback on that again. I'm completely out on him too, man. Uh, no scoring upside because you already mentioned Fox, Halliburton, Heald, uh, Holmes are taking that up. Um, and for Bagley, I mean, he's a big guy that, I mean, not particularly good shooter, sub 50% for a big guy. You hate to see that. Plays no defense at all. And he's horrible at the free throw line. So, I, I, I mean, what are you getting out of him? Uh, you're getting, what, 12 and 8, something like that? I mean, it, that's not a guy that I want on my team. Yeah. So what are you doing if you were the manager that drafted uh, Marvin Bagley? Or in this case, I should say added him off of waivers because he's I think he's owned in 50% of ESPN leagues. So he, people are dropping him. Um, so if you're the, the Marvin Bagley fantasy owner, what are you doing? What's your next step with him? Get what I can and, and get out of the, the Marvin Bagley business. 
That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering what his, his trade value is right now. I mean, I'm, I'm with you there, Zach, man. I'm, I'm getting out of the business. I was never in the business to, to begin with. So sorry, Alex. Uh, Should have warned <laughs> you about that one. But uh, yeah, but I'm just curious what his trade market actually even is. Um, I don't think it's to the point where you want to drop him for what you invested in him. But, you know, there's going to be a point where the cut bait season is going to take place. I just don't know when that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey guys, break, breaking news while we're on the pod. Uh, Jalen Brown has been ruled out for Sunday's game. So that's 24 hours in advance with the knee injury, the same uh, knee injury he missed Friday night's game with. Uh, this, this could be something to monitor moving forward uh, for Jalen Brown. It could be more than a little bit of rest. So we'll have to see. Yeah, Jason Tatum went uh, 34.7 rebounds, four steals, took 27 shots on Friday night. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's a guy who's going to be, I mean, he was drafted in the first round, but he's he's going to he's gonna put, put up some big games here in the near future. This just goes back to what we were harping on last week, on last week's episode. And, and I know, uh, Dan, you, you were the one that brought this up, is uh, you need to go out and try and acquire Kemba Walker, uh, you know, as soon as possible. Um, Jason Tatum obviously is the the top dog on that offense. Jalen Brown has been phenomenal, having a career year. But if you look at their usage rates, and, and this is even in the quick, uh, brief stint that Kemba Walker has returned to the court, they're all in 30% range of usage. And, and then it's just a big drop off in Boston. We talked about that um, on the pod last week. But, man, I, I'm going out. I'm acquiring Kemba Walker right now. Um, uh, it's interesting to see who I'd give up for him. I'd have to take a look and – it kind of depends on the record of, of my team and, and kind of how my team is constructed, but that's somebody that I want on my team going forward. Yeah. And that might be a, an opportunity too. I mean, with Brown being out, Walker could have a good game or two, but you might want to wait until this week when maybe Walker has a bad shooting night or posts a dud. And right after that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe just try to lowball some offers because his, his rest of season value can only go up from here. I completely agree. Yeah, the only risk that he carries right now in my mind is just I haven't looked at the, the Celtics schedule, but he didn't play on a, a back end of a back to back um a couple of days ago. So I would just be cautious that he's probably gonna take some games off. But with what Jalen Brown's had to endure for this season, I'm not surprised that he's getting a night off. Um he's been phenomenal easily. Uh should be a starter for the the all-star game this year if it takes place. It's gonna be interesting to see it what the value is for Kemba Walker because you know, you could have if you if you were in the market for Kemba Walker just a week ago, you know, the market was probably pretty, pretty good for you because he was just struggling from the field. Um, he only went over 20 points once uh, last week. And so, you know, if, if Jalen Brown or anybody else is going to miss any time, Marcus Smart's still not back in the lineup. This is a guy that's going to give you uh, some consistency with assist and as well as some three pointers, as well as uh, scoring at least 20 points a game when he's on. So. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still in the buy category for this guy, and hopefully he can continue to 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 shine the way that he has um, in years past. Speaking of buy candidates, I know this guy's name has been thrown around uh, a lot as a as a potential buy low. Uh, John Morant, mm. right? John John Morant hasn't uh, hasn't John Morant hasn't topped 30 minutes in any of his last four games. Uh, Memphis has played in some close games. It's a fast paced team. You'd think uh, Morant's numbers would be better than they are I think part of the reason that Morant is not seeing over 30 minutes at this point is due to the uh the very good play behind him uh at the guard position all of Desmond Bain Tyus Jones and D'Anthony Melton have really all stepped up there for the Grizzlies 
so those guys are are all seeing 20 minutes per game uh, off the bench and I think with with Morant's injury history there, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like the Grizzlies are wanting to, you know, kind of you know hold back a little bit on on unleashing him and giving him thirty five plus minutes a game. So, you know, he might be a buy low, and and like we talked about last time on the on our first episode of the pod, the Grizzlies are likely to have more games than other teams in the second half due to all the postponements with COVID. So. He, he actually might be a good buy low. You know, the, the minutes are starting to worry me a little bit, but um, yeah. So, so Zach, what do you think about that? I know we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before, but um, I, I honestly think the extra games at the end of the year probably work against Morant. Um, going back to your point of, you know, they might be trying to limit him or they might be trying to, uh, you know, maybe not shoulder so much the load on him just because of the injury history and he's their superstar and that kind of thing. If, if you know, if Memphis starts bunching all these games together and more back-to-backs and that kind of thing to fit into the schedule, it, I mean, don't we think he might start resting some of those games? I mean, a bunch of those line or a bunch of those games, wear and tear, that kind of thing. I, I honestly think that might be kind of counterintuitive. What do you think? Yeah, it's a it's a good point because you know part of this minutes this minutes issue. I'm wondering, you know, he did beat his, his five week timetable to recover from that high ankle sprain, uh, which looked pretty nasty. And and I'm wondering if they're just slow playing this right now so that they can have him when it matters most. And, you know, to Adam's point earlier about Ty, the play of Tyus Jones and Desmond Bain and, 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 and De, uh, DeAnthony Melton, you know, I, I don't think that there's a need to put stress on him right now. Now, the, the biggest question I have out of Memphis is, you know, I think he, while he is a, a, a solid by low, where's Jaron Jackson at? Mm. Um, we haven't gotten a timetable update for that guy. And I know there's a lot of fantasy managers that are still holding on for dear life in their IL spots, but you know, with COVID and all these late, you know, little nicked up injuries that people are getting, is there a point where you got to consider just trading Jaron Jackson now? I mean, where are you getting for him? I don't think it's worth, you know, unless you're like top of the the standings, maybe that's your play. You know, maybe you get somebody that could to potentially help you later down the line. But like, if you're a struggling manager, you know, mid, mid to low uh, standings, you can't afford a guy like that eating up your, your roster space. Adam, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So, so I think there was some news that came out uh, a week ago or so, or a week or so ago that said Jaron Jackson uh, was going to, was going to need at least another month to ramp up his activity and probably wasn't going to play until, you know, beginning to mid-March uh, when the NBA started its second half of the season. Uh, and then to Zach's point earlier, if the Grizzlies are playing a lot of games some back-to-backs, there's no way the Grizzlies are going to play Jaron Jackson in all the back-to-backs. Right. You know, Jaron Jackson was a guy I was fading, you know, anyway going into the season with the injury, even if he kind of started to play right away. You know, last season he, I think he averaged about 16 points and four rebounds per game. He doesn't really do much. He's a he's a big man at this point who shoots some threes. He gives he blocks you, too. He, he gets a couple blocks. He's going to be a little tentative coming off the injury. Right. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's probably in my IL spot. I don't own him anywhere because I wasn't interested in in drafting him this season. Um, but he, I mean, he's a hold. He's got no value right now until you know he proves what he can do on the court. Yeah, Brandon Clark's been been playing pretty good too in his in his absence. So that kind of is an extra um, assurance to just take your time with Jaron Jackson Jr. Don't rush him. Um, yeah, I agree with with all your points on that. 
And Clark is a better rebounder and defender, too, so I think he offers a little bit more across the board. Right. Do you want to talk about Michael Porter Jr.? What's been going on there? I mean, the the resurgence of Jamichael Green, like I thought the the Denver Nuggets acquiring him was more of just a depth play. Um, didn't really expect him to eventually crack the starting lineup and get uh, much of the significant minutes in crunch time and, and just – ball out like he's been playing very well and I think he's a person that's going pretty undervalued in a lot of fantasy leagues and uh, I picked him up uh, a week ago and I've been pretty happy with his performances to date um, especially because Michael Porter Jr. hasn't been playing that well um, mainly because of his defense and we know that that's that's never been a secret but uh, do you guys have any thoughts around Michael Porter Jr. and what owners or managers should be expecting out of him and what to do with him yeah, so so Michael Porter Jr. hasn't played more than uh, more than twenty minutes in his last three games. So uh, yeah. Mike Malone has clearly has some trust issues with uh, with MPJ on the defensive end of the floor because on the offensive side of the ball, I mean he's you know he can do it all. He can shoot the three, he can drive to the hoop. I mean this, this is a guy that uh, if he wasn't injured, he was going to be a top three pick uh, a couple years ago. So you know there's there's something with his defense there. If I'm not mistaken, Jamal Murray's out for uh, Saturday night's game, so we'll see if uh, if Porter Jr. sees the floor a little bit more. Um, he's a, he's potentially a, a good uh, buy low candidate, but you know I, I don't trust the minutes, so it's not a guy I'm actively targeting. Burns, what do you think? As a matter of fact, uh, I'm just a little scared uh, of of getting him on my team, and if I have him on my team, I'm looking to to sell high. Um, the Nuggets are a competitive team. Uh, in all likelihood, they're going to make the playoffs. And I think their future is obviously wrapped around Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, and it's Jamal Murray. So uh, obviously, Jamichael Green, he's going to be serviceable for, for them uh, from a defensive standpoint and his ability to stretch the floor and, and knock down threes. But I don't think he's a part of their long-term future. So um, the fact that the Nuggets weren't willing to uh, include, I know there was some chatter about maybe acquiring James Harden uh, earlier this summer, and they weren't willing to include Michael Porter Jr. in any of those talks. It just shows how much they value him. So as far as, as that goes, I don't think uh, there's anything to worry about. To me, this is just like a, a coaching moment. I think he's he's tough on them. There's been reports that, that Mike Malone is, is tough on his players, uh, and it works. He's a good coach. His teams are always good. So I think it's a, a, a teaching moment, a coaching moment. But unfortunately, those of us who have him in fantasy are you know reaping the consequences of him, you know, not topping 20 minutes in his last three games. So even when he is playing, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game, he's still the third option on the team. So it's like, who are you keeping on your roster to try? What I mean, what are you expecting from him right now? Now, if Jamal Murray or or Nikola Jokic, uh, knock on wood, uh, were to go down with a, a serious injury, then obviously you know you're looking at somebody who's going to see elite usage. He's going to put up points and stats, and he's going to be worth you know whatever you drafted him for. But but right now, I'm looking for him to have a big game, and I'm selling high on on Michael Porter Jr. His minutes are trending down, while um, Jamichael Green's are trending up. All right, you want to know who another guy I'm selling high on is? Let's go to the San Antonio Spurs. I'm selling high on Keldon Johnson. Oh, the waiver, the waiver guy of the year so far, or one of them at least. He, yeah. He's been a surprise, though. I yeah, get Keldon it. Johnson was one of the first guys off the waiver wire earlier this season. Uh, he's been absolutely balling. What concerns me is Derek White's return to the court. So Derek White's been uh, ramping up his minutes over the last four games, and subsequently, Keldon John, Keldon Johnson's minutes have been down. So Keldon Johnson in two of his three last games he's only played 21 minutes in those games he's had 12 points and six points he's taken 
uh, six and nine shots respectively in those games. I mean, he's a guy that before Derek White was back on the floor was averaging 13, 14 shots a night. So actually, subsequently, in that regard, I'm looking to buy Derek White. I think he's got a role in this offense. I think he turns into a starter here soon. He showed what he could do in the bubble last season, playing alongside Jante Murray. Um, we talked about this last week on the pod. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, big-time sell. You know, Kelvin Johnson, for me, also a sell. And I'm looking to acquire those those young that young backcourt duo. I mean, DeJounte Murray, probably hard to acquire at this point. He, he's, a, he's a threat for a triple-double every night. But uh, Derek White can probably be, probably be had on the cheap. So if, if I'm, if I'm uh, wanting to get into the Spurs game, I want Derek White, and I'm, I'm trying to sell Kelvin Johnson uh, as high as possible before uh, White takes a lot of his minutes and a lot of his usage. Who are you looking to, to give up for Derek White? Or, or who, should you, who would you think is a player – um, that fantasy managers should look 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 for, um, or like equal to Derek White's value, someone to go after, or or give up in exchange for Derek White, or or I'll flip it around too. And who should who's a player they should target um, when trying to sell Keldon Johnson? That's a tough question. I thought about that a little bit. That's a tough one. So if I'm trying to sell Keldon Johnson, maybe I'm trying to acquire a guy like OG Anunoby. Mm-hmm. Who has who has missed a few games here with an injury? Pascal Siakam's been uh, balling in the last four games, so so people might forget about OG a little bit. He should be back in the next couple of days. You know, he's a guy that's going to get you 14 points a game. I think he leads the league in steals potentially. That that still might be uh, Larry Nance Jr.'s crown. I think OG oh. might be second in the league in in steals per game. But he's he's a guy that I like uh, with cemented minutes when he comes back. He's locked in for. 35 plus due to his you know ability on the defensive end of the floor so i i would i'd shoot an offer out there to the to the og and uh manager uh offering kelvin johnson man can we keep talking raptors please um i know we we really <laughs> i know this is your guys favorite team um so can we <laughs> more can than we, the kings that them and the kings right and adam's favorite Derek white other than that though Toronto Raptors, man, what are we doing with Boucher? Because I, I feel like we talked last week about getting rid of him. You know, his his minutes have been inconsistent. It's another guy that huge potential, huge per 36 production, but obviously he's not coming anywhere close to 36 minutes, right? So big game last night, 17-9 and nine with two blocks in 27 minutes. I, I'm selling, man. This is this mm-hmm. is the chance to, to get out of the Boucher business, sell him right now. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I learned I learned a lot about uh, when Nick Nurse takes Chris Boucher out of the game and when he puts him back in the game by watching the Raptors Nets game uh, on Friday night. So uh, Steve Nash takes DeAndre Jordan off the floor, and Nick Nurse subsequently two seconds later inserts Chris Boucher onto the floor, takes out Aaron Baines. So Chris Boucher is never going to be on the court at the same time a guy like DeAndre Jordan's on the floor. And I said this last week, if the Raptors are playing a team where the traditional big plays more than 30 minutes a game, Boucher's not playing more than 20 minutes in that game. So so for that reason, Zach, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I think Boucher's amazing when he's when he's on the floor. His his uh his per minute production's incredible. And he can he can step outside, knock down the threes, he hustles, he blocks he blocks like everybody's three point shot. He just his his arms are just super, super long. But yeah, he's a guy coming off coming off a big game. I'm looking to sell him. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think he's more of a DFS darling than a season long hold here. Um, 
for much of the reasons that you guys outlined. I just don't like the minutes allocation. Uh, I think he's constantly going to be taken out when you play against traditional bigs. And unfortunately, this is the year of the big man, and there's plenty of them in the league. So I, I just don't think that there's a good place for him uh, on in season-long leagues that you want to rely on him. So I'm, I'm, I'm selling as well. Let me ask a question about Chris Boucher while we're on the topic. If I am 6-0 and or if I'm 5-1, and I think I can afford to hold on to him a little bit, maybe wait for a big game and then sell high. If I'm like three and three, two and four, and I need to string together some wins, would you necessarily be okay dropping him from one of the top waiver wire guys due to his inconsistent playing time? I'm selling Chris Boucher on a on a breakout performance because um, I think I think he has value because you know once he had a stretch of four games where he went twenty and ten. Yeah. So so somebody's gonna want that, and that's gonna ha- that's gonna likely happen again, especially as the Raptors play a set with the same team two games in a row. Maybe that team doesn't have a, a traditional big man. You know, if they played the Nets like back to back, he he'd play twenty seven plus minutes. And he took a he took a season high fourteen shots on Friday night. Yeah. So he he's going to get his opportunities. You know, when when Nick Nurse puts him on the floor, I think he has value on the trade market. I don't think he's a drop. I'm just going to get one point in here. I I'm a Seth Curry owner and. I traded for him. I thought I was very savvy in picking him up early in the season. Uh, when this guy was on a tear, he was, you know, performing at top 40 value for much of the first three weeks before he contracted COVID-19. Since then, he's been awful. Um, like borderline, like I don't even know that I want to start him if I have a full slate uh, for like Saturday night or something like that. Like he's going to be on my bench. What I, I'm actually very curious about certain players and what COVID-19 may do for them. And I'm hoping that it's not going to affect his play long term, but there seems to be something going on there. Um, he's been scoreless in two of his last three. He's shot. He hasn't been involved in the offense at all. If I'm a Seth Curry owner, I'm actually very concerned about at least the next couple of weeks until he can get out of his rut. But I'm hoping there isn't any long-term effects of COVID-19 there. But I think it's something that we want to monitor for anyone that gets COVID-19 going forward is like, what is their play going to be like once they return? But just something I want to throw out there for anyone else that's going through that frustrating Mm -hmm. period of being a Seth Curry owner. Yeah. If I, if I have Seth Curry uh, right now, I'm dropping him. I don't want him on my team. I don't, I don't think you even have enough time to really even try and wait for him to have a good game. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's not, you know, one of the forefront players on their offense. You have Shake Milton coming off the bench who provides a nice scoring boost. Tyrese Maxey's been impressive earlier this year. Uh, you know, he's got he's a great shooter, one of the best shooters in the NBA. But I'm looking at it, you know, since the calendar flipped to February, he's averaged 20 and a half minutes a game and he hasn't even made a field goal. Like, I mean, he's only shot four field goals, so it's not like he's – Oh, 20 or something, but I don't want a player like that on my team. And and if you can't start him on a busy slate like Saturday, if I have Seth Curry, I'm, I'm dropping him for one of the top waiver wire guys. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's really the, you know, he's the fourth or fifth option there on offense. Yeah. The, the Sixers, the Sixers top three, the top three options are easily Embiid, Simmons and Tobias Harris. And on any given, you know, possession, it could be Danny Green in the corner rather than Seth Curry in the corner. So, so Seth Curry, you're banking on, you know, four or five threes per game, like a guy like, you know, Bojan Bogdanovich, but it's just not coming to fruition the way that, you know, Embiid and, and especially Tobias Harris have been the focal point of the offense so far. Mm-hmm. 
but I mean, what's his floor? Like what, you know, going forward, you know, what would you say his floor would be? Would you expect? I'd say probably no more than 10 points a game, probably no more than two threes a game um, with all the mouths to feed in the, in the Philly offense. And that's not somebody I want to just hang on to on my bench and wait for a blow up performance every, every full move. So he showed you his floor. His floor is zero points. <laughs> zero rebounds and three assists or he's currently at rock bottom right now yeah <laughs> yeah he's 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 a drop because in this in this environment with with covid and and players resting and you really gotta take advantage of the guys that are on the waiver wire that can help you now and a guy like that is juan toscano anderson baby <laughs> juan t <laughs> jta baby sure. jta let's do it before we jump to JTA, uh, you mentioned Boyan Bogdanovich. That dude's been on a tear lately uh, from three. What, what, do you, what do you guys think about him? That's looking like a solid buy right now. Is it a buy or are we taking advantage of the value that Boyan has right now? And are we selling him on the 24 of 41 threes he has over his last five games from deep? Selling him. Yeah, me too. All he does is score in threes, man. He does nothing on the peripherals. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, it, the the part that concerns me most, just to add to that, is Utah is scoring the mo- or they're hitting the most threes per game of any team in the NBA, which is a shocker. Yep. But as a three point specialist, his three point numbers are actually down from last year. I mean, it's it's fractional, but given the production of the team overall and the environment that he's playing in, you would expect those numbers to be well up. Um, so I'm selling him, Dan. I I, I just can't get behind uh, Bogdanovich. Agreed. Yeah, just and just like just like Seth Curry, there's a lot of other options on that Utah team uh, between Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson off the bench, obviously Rudy Gobert. So he's you know he's a guy that's just posting up in the corner. And to, to Zach's point, he really needs to hit all his threes to to hit value. I mean, he's been taking a lot of them. He's been making a lot of mm-hmm. them. Utah leads the league in, in threes per game this season. But but I agree. I think I think he's a sell based on what he's done in the last five games. Yep, he's one he's one bad shooting night away from posting a dud, offering you nothing. Unlike Seth Curry, Bogdanovich is not a drop, right? Mm-hmm. No. All right, so can we go back to Juan T and the Warriors? <laughs> <laughs> so Juan Juan T Juan T is an example of a guy. This this guy this guy's taking full advantage of his opportunity with Eric Pascal, James Wiseman, and Kevin Looney, uh, or Kevon Looney, I should say, all out of the lineup. So. In his last game, he went 40 minutes, uh, put up a 14, 8, and 5 line with some defensive stats. Uh, until until uh, those guys come back, he's going to be a staple in the starting lineup. Steve Kerr loves this guy. Uh, uh, I quote Steve Kerr on this. I have known what Juan can do since last year. I just love his innate feel for the game, his toughness, his competitiveness. The guys on the team love Juan. He's a really high-character human being, deserves every bit of success. And in that game that he had 40 minutes, he was a plus 26, led the team uh, in plus minus. So I think I think he's a big part of the rotation if those guys are out. Um, I think he he might even uh, uh, take uh, Kevin Kevon Looney's minutes when he comes back. I think Pascal's out of the rotation. Um, he, he's he's he before he got hurt, he was seeing 10, 12 minutes a game. So I'm not sure he's even part of the rotation anymore. So I think Juan T is a guy that could definitely see minutes uh, moving forward, even when some of those guys start to get healthy again. I'm definitely going to take the timestamp on this one because I think this this gas is 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 heavy right now, um, <laughs> dude. He's Juan Toscano Anderson. Like, there's a reason why he wasn't getting burned before 
all of their front court was decimated. Um, I feel you totally in the short term, like unless, you know, Pascal's going to be out for a, few, a couple games. Kevon Looney's going to already be out, been ruled out for a couple games. This is a great short-term waiver wire ad and a great play in DFS. However, he is not taking Eric Pascal's role in the, in the offense. He's like, what, 6'8", maybe? Like, he's very small. Like, Pascal's 6'6". Six, six. No, 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 I'm talking about Juan, Juan T. Yeah, but Juan T's 6'8", Pascal's 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, I, I get you, but like... You're, you're saying he's going to be the center. He's going to be the front court. Like, no, he's not. He's not going to replace Kevon Looney when he's healthy. He's not replacing Eric Pascal, who's a solid bench contributor, who has been playing very well off the bench, uh, scoring double figures. I think it's just his moment in time. Like he's getting the opportunity. He's making the most of it. He's solid. Now we, we timestamp this. So you can check back with me in three weeks. If he's still relevant <laughs> in the fantasy lineup, I'm wrong. You you got it. Oracle or Oracle Koffler, but. I'm I'm not believing in this long term. I think it's he's just taking advantage of the moment. I think I'm just really excited the night that I rostered him in DFS at thirty five hundred hours on DraftKings when there was there was this huge discrepancy in price. On FanDuel he was forty nine hundred and I think Zach still had him listed as a value. And then I looked him up on DraftKings and I saw thirty five hundred hours. I was like, he is a he is a lock and load kind of guy. And he was only thirty percent rostered that night, and he went for like forty fantasy points. I'm gonna be yeah, really honest hate. right now. I don't know what Fanduel's doing. That's hate. That's. Crazy. I'm gonna be really honest right now. I have never seen Adam's face light up like that when talking about any <laughs> other player than Juan Toscano Anderson. I'm I'm legitimately grossed out. You guys listening can't see this, but I'm legitimately grossed out when I watched him read the quote from Steve Kerr. That was disgusting, dude. <laughs> this is the, this is like. This is weird. I mean, I, I'm with you. He's good, but uh, that's that's like my only thing I'm going to interject with with uh, with JTA here. Can I can I just say something that maybe I shouldn't? Um, is it really emba- <laughs> <laughs> is it really embarrassing Uh-oh. that I, I get Shania Twain in my head every time we talk about Juan T? Because he's still what? the one. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and I can't get it out of my head, man. <laughs> Wow. Shania Twain. I miss The show's going downhill, man. We just brought up Real Shania Twain on our podcast, dude. On our right. buy low, sell high segment. Coming up on the stretch three next week. Yeah. <laughs> Special guest Shania Twain. <laughs> That's funny. Now, I want to talk about uh, somebody just to, to to move past this real quick uh, in regards to buy low, sell high. Uh, this is an interesting one, and it's 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 a guy that has really frustrated me personally. Um, DeMarcus Cousins. All right, so we're in, in light of Christian Wood. He just suffered another sprained ankle. Um, this one looked a little bit worse than the one that forced him to miss three games in January. Uh, we all know what DeMarcus Cousins did. Uh, in play in Christian Wood's place uh, about a month ago, he averaged 17 and a half points, 14 rebounds, about four assists. I mean, he was he was absolutely dominant. Um, so coming into you know what what he's gonna he's gonna have some more playing time. He's gonna be uh, you know most likely in the starting lineup. I'm looking to sell Demarcus Cousins after a couple dominant performances because if you look at his minutes with Wood in the lineup versus when Wood is not on the lineup, I mean it's completely insane i mean he was averaging like 11 minutes a game 11 to 15 minutes a game when christian was healthy and then uh when christian was out of the lineup i think those three games he averaged 33 points a game uh if i'm not mistaken so um it's frustrating but this is a player that i'm watching really closely coming into week seven uh to see how he is and as soon as he has a couple of blow up games i'm selling high on him because i mean look what do they say christian wood is week to week with a an ankle injury so you're going to get some value out of cousins 
but I mean, it's not like he's out for the season. And so pretty soon, you know, he's going to go back to being on the waiver wire because he's not going to have too much playing time. Right. You look at a guy like DeMarcus Cousins versus a guy like Ennis Cantor, who came in for Yusuf Nurkic, and Yusuf Nurkic could be out, you know, two, three months. Christian Wood, agree. Christian Wood, you're looking at, you know, one, two weeks. DeMarcus Cousins gets a few games in there. He's going to put up some, you know, 20 and 10 games. going to hit a lot of threes. Uh, he's definitely going to be a, a big-time producer while Christian Wood's out in the short term. But like you said, Christian Wood should be back soon. Uh, they don't like to uh, – Steven Silas doesn't like to play uh, boogie with uh, Christian Wood on the floor at the same time. So, yeah, I agree. You know, has a couple of nice games. Sell the man. Yeah, I kind of like uh, Jay Sean Tate a little bit. Um, I don't know. Bo- Boogie's been so inconsistent that, I don't know, it's hard for me to wrap my hands or wrap my arms around wanting to invest in him. Uh, I totally agree. If he balls out, sell high immediately. Um, but I like what I see at Jay Sean Tate, and he's also pretty available on, on in most fantasy leagues. So, like, I think while we're waiting for Christian Wood to make his return, I think he could be a sneaky pickup that's been pretty good in DFS uh, when he's been given the the opportunity and the time. He got 31 minutes last game, 19.7 rebounds, uh, plenty of peripheral stats there too. So um, I think he's a good player that you can pick up in, if you don't want DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, and I, I think he's, uh, uh, unlike Juan T, who we just talked about, but <laughs> Boogie's Boogie's going to, he's going to give you some elite numbers, man. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. dude that was, I mean, he was an absolute monster when he was with the Kings, when he was with the Pelicans, um, you know, and when given the minutes, like, like Adam said, he's going to be a 20 and 10 guy. He's going to put up some massive stat lines. Um, so the upside is, I mean, it's just phenomenal while, as long as Christian Wood is out. Would you trade Boogie Cousins? Let's say he blows up in his first game, right? Uh, 20 points, 15 rebounds, three blocks, blows up. Would you trade him for James Wiseman? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Me too. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm boogieing down for that yeah. deal, man. Yeah. You want to hear something yeah. crazier? I would trade I would trade Boogie for Derek White. For Derek uh, White? <laughs> <laughs> Boogie, has, Boogie has no value when Christian Wood comes back. Derek yeah. White's about to be a starter. Yeah. No, I feel you, but I'm just I don't I don't know the 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 manager that's going to go for Derek White and and Boogie. I think that's aiming a little high there. <laughs> that might be like a Lamarcus Aldridge just trade trash for trash, <laughs> or trade him for Juan um, Toscano Anderson. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Sell Adam's that high. Fight me. <laughs> um, I love Wanty. I love Wanty. So so switching gears, we're gonna introduce a new segment. Um, we love our, our fans out there and, and those that follow us on Twitter and uh, Alex Burns and, and Adam have been super helpful to, I'm sure, to many of you guys throughout fantasy football, fantasy basketball, Zach as well. Um, so we're going to introduce a new segment called The Mailbag. So Alex, uh, give us some of the uh, questions you're getting on Twitter and we'll see if we could do a quick rapid fire of, of see if we can get some answers to some of our, our, Twitter, our Twitter followers out there. So uh, we just talked about the the Houston Rockets, so I'll skip that one for right now. Uh, this one I uh, got on Twitter. It's from Jeffrey Cooperman, uh, and it actually has some has to do with the Paul George injury that that kind of came to light yesterday. So it says, in lieu of Paul George's injury, who is the best add if he's out for an extended period of time? Would you rather add Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, or Terrence Mann? What do y'all think? Give me Kennard. Hmm. 
So it's interesting because Reggie Jackson, if you look at uh, the minutes when Paul George is out, Reggie Jackson is seeing a a pretty big um, usage rate. Um, I think it was um, a little bit uh, gassed up because of the recent stretch where Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both missed and Reggie Jackson was was running the show. Uh, but I'm going to agree with you, Dan. I think I think Luke Kennard uh, is going to see the most minutes in that role. Terrence Mann, though, is sneaky. He he produced some some nice lines when when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were out a couple weeks ago. But this is different because Kawhi Leonard's in the lineup. So I think Luke Kennard, his ability to stretch the floor, hit threes, and also play defense, I think he's going to be uh, the guy to add there. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little off script there, and I'm actually gonna go with the guy, uh, Lou Williams. So, so Lou Williams wasn't having such a great season prior to uh, Paul George being out uh, Friday night. Uh, he's put together uh, back-to-back games of 15, 18 points, uh, had six assists, uh, three three-pointers. I mean, he's a guy, he's still going to come off the bench, but he's probably going to come into the game a little bit sooner with Paul George not there. Um, I, I, I think he probably gets up more shots per game than Luke Kennard. He took 10 last night. Um He's a guy that's that's I think without Paul George in the lineup has a pretty safe floor. I think in crunch time the Clippers are more willing to ride with Lou Williams than they are Luke Kennard. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Lou Williams here. And I'm going I'm going Reggie, man. Um, I, I I don't have any faith in Lemon Pepper Lou. Uh, he's been kind of <laughs> up and down this season. Uh, I don't have faith in Kennard. He's another dude to me that when his shots falling, great. Uh, when his shots not falling. You're not getting a ton of value out of him. Um, he, he, I don't think his defensive stats are anything to marvel at. Um, Reggie Jackson is doing it all. He's averaging better than four assists and five rebounds over his last seven games, all starts, almost two threes in that time, uh, you know, 10 points, and he has the potential for some blow-ups. So I, I, I know Lemon Pepper Lou can have some big scoring games, but uh, to me, if you're looking for consistency and all-around production, it's got to be Reggie. Awesome. This one is from Fernando Flores on Twitter. Shout out to him. This is actually a uh, a trade question, and uh, it's interesting because uh, if any fantasy managers are listening to this or or uh, or commissioners of leagues, uh, this is a good one for you to kind of kind of see how you can can handle trades and injuries and that kind of stuff. So Fernando said, uh, I traded Paul George on Thursday for De'Aaron Fox and Pascal Siakam, and the trade was accepted. Once news of Paul George's injury came out on Friday, the manager that agreed to take on PG is now trying to block the trade because of the news. Should they be able to do that? What do y'all think? Uh, Once accepted, the trade is done. Uh, You got to be a man of your word and uh, leagues should not allow this to happen. Any sort of waiting period. Once the trades approved, players should swap over uh, to your team immediately. Uh, I think the guy's salty that he got an injury and also because he made a horrible deal. I I mean, you're going (laughs) to I mean, seriously, man, you're going to give up Siakam and Fox just for PG? Uh, yeah. That's that's crazy talk, man. Uh, what do you guys think? I totally agree with you, Zach. Nothing more to add. You're 100% right. Yeah, it, injuries are just a part of the game. We have no idea how long Paul George is going to be out. It could be one game, two games, three games. It could be the rest of the season. Most likely not. Um, but, yeah, you can't you can't take a trade back just based off of an injury that just popped up. Yep. And if you do that, uh, I agree with all you guys. Uh, but if you do that, you're just starting uh, an unhealthy standard for your league and for, for other crazy, um, you know, trades and stuff to get vetoed and all that stuff. You don't want that to happen. So I'm with you guys. All right. And so just before we depart, we're just going to give a few waiver wire ads that we all like for, for week seven. And uh, I'll start off. I like Nas Reed. 
Carl Anthony Towns is still not around, so uh, get some nice source of rebounds and points. Uh, Rodney Hood playing pretty well for the Blazers. Uh, if Dame Lillard is going to be out, obviously no CJ McCollum. They're still down. I think he could give you a lot of be a legitimate source of some threes, some scoring as well. And then lastly, uh, one of my guys, Jamichael Green. I think he's been contributing in a lot of different categories, uh, giving you points, giving you rebounds, giving you steals, maybe a block here as well as some good field goal percentage. So, uh, Zach, who's your who's your three? So I have uh, – I'm big on Derek Favors, man. 10% rostered. His per 36 minutes are 13 and, you know, 13 and 12 with 2.6 blocks. Uh, he's actually been playing some decent minutes and getting it done on a per-minute basis, um, you know, even coming off the bench. Um, you know, we already talked about Cousins and Juan T. Um, I, I also think you should you can look to Xavier Tillman and Gorgie Dang if you need some help, 12% rostered for um, – uh, for some help there as far as big men and a guy that I'm not picking up, just a, a waiver wire ad not to make Malik Monk, another guy that we, you mm-hmm. know, kind of on the same line as scoring only. If he's not scoring, you're getting nothing from him. Yep. Uh, Cole Anthony for me, um, only 39% rostered in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Um, he's been uh, a pretty good beneficiary of Aaron Gordon's injury. He's seen a 24% usage rate without uh, Aaron Gordon in the lineup. And he is seeing, uh, 30 plus minutes in, in each of his last eight games. So uh, Cole Anthony is somebody, I know he flirted with a double, double last night uh, in the win. He's a big part of their offense. Uh, I'm surprised he was only 39% rostered. Cause when uh, uh, Markel Fultz went down, I know a lot of people flocked to him. Uh, and then I'll also, I'm going to say Jacob or Jacob, Jacob, Jacob pedal. <laughs> it's a Pettle? hard stand to pronounce, man. Yac- nah, Jacob, man I thought it was per- <laughs> Jacob Pertle. I guess I would say it. That's a tough one to say. 23.5% rostered in uh, ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, we've talked about him a lot on this show. Um, not healthy, can't stay healthy. He's got bad knees. Uh, when Pirtle is in the lineup, I mean, the dude produces. His per 36 numbers is incredible. Uh, and he had a monster game last night too, or maybe it was the night before. Uh, but but Pirtle should be on your waiver wire. Um, like I said, 23.5% owned. Go grab him. Uh, he's he's going to be a league winner if Aldridge uh, is out for an extended period of time. Yeah, so I'm going to give you a couple guys here, a little uh, under the radar. Um, like in uh, Hamadou Diallo of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, he scored double digits in his last uh, eight games. He actually dished out 10 assists uh, the other night with uh, Shai Gilders Alexander uh, out that game. Uh, coaching staff really seems to like his play. Uh He's a he's a he's a menace on the defensive end of the floor, so that that could that could cement his minutes into the 30s uh, as a starter moving forward. I believe George Hill's out for quite a while, um, so that could that can lock him into a into a nice role there in the starting lineup. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Hamadou Diallo. Um, I think we talked about Tyus Jones a little bit, even with John Morant there in the starting lineup. But uh, you know, Tyus Jones is a guy who's been averaging uh, eight or nine assists in his last three or four games, uh, you know, he's only seen 20 minutes, but his assist to turnover ratio uh, has been killer the entire season. I think for the last five, six years yeah. he's been in the league, he's he's like top 10 in assist to turnover ratio. He's only, 13 per- yeah. he, he's only 13% owned. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of like uh, TJ McConnell. He's going to come off the bench, but he's going to provide you with stats that you need. Uh, so th- those are two guys I'm looking at to uh, put, on, put on my team from the waiver wire. And there you have it. 
All right, everyone. We we hope that you enjoy Super Bowl weekend. It's going to be fun. Definitely watch some hoops as, as well. Check back in with us next week. We'll be back uh, giving you the same rundown and, and advice for your fantasy league. So take care. Make sure you reach out to us on Twitter. Catch you next time. <laughs>